episode of Dracuna Dieta, Dracuna's weekly news digest, bringing you the latest in the psychedelic space from the Dracuna Institute for Psychedelic Plant Medicines, providing public education and cultural understanding about psychedelic plant medicines and promoting a bridge between the ceremonial use of sacred plants and psychedelic science. I'm your host, Joseph Mays, Program Director for the Indigenous Reciprocity Initiative of the Americas, and I thank you for joining me for the 10th episode of Chacuna Dieta for the week of October 17th to October 23rd. This past Wednesday, October 20th, we had a Chacuna community forum called Multiracial Identity and Psychedelics, Imagined Futures. This was an enlightening conversation between Stephanie Michael Stewart, a psychiatrist who practices a holistic approach to healing, Joseph McCowan, a licensed clinical psychologist and psychotherapist who is also working as a co-therapist in the MAPS-sponsored Phase three clinical trials of MDMA-assisted psychotherapy for PTSD, as well as Lola Osinkoya, a licensed psychotherapist and owner of a counseling practice, Neither-slash-both, LLC, where she specializes in complex trauma and dissociation with a focus on mixed-race, transracial adoptees, and queer and trans, black, indigenous, and people of color. This conversation was moderated by Arun Saldana, PhD professor in the Department of Geography, Environment, and Society at the University of Minnesota. During this conversation, our panelists explored the intersection of multiracial identity and psychedelics. And as the multiracial population in the U.S. continues to grow, so do our needs for tools that support this unique experience. In this discussion, We talked about how psychedelic medicine might play a role in healing racialized trauma and the thriving of multiracial people. Panelists drew from their research, clinical, and personal experiences and explored this topic. And this was a really valuable contribution to the discussion between the fields of psychedelic studies and multiracial studies. So I encourage everyone to go to Chakruna on Crowdcast, check out this community forum along with all of our past community forums, and stay tuned for next week, Wednesday, October 27th at 12 o'clock Pacific time, when we have another episode in our community forum special series called Patenting the Sacred. This will be one that you don't want to miss. It's called Indigenous Worldview, Property and Extractivism in the Psychedelic Renaissance. And this will be a conversation with Marcy Norton, Roger Green, and Tink Tinker, who is a professor and an elder from the Osage Nation, who speaks on the difficulty of the notion of property, whether intellectual or physical, and the impact of extractive thinking on indigenous worldview. We recently had a press release in our Chakruna Chronicles about Chakruna's Patenting the Sacred series, Critical Dialogues on Law, Economics, and Indigenous Rights in the Psychedelic Renaissance. And this write-up just really talks about the aims to educate and promote critical thinking in the field of psychedelics by bringing together experts in intellectual property, law, medicine, anthropology, sacred plants, and indigenous worldview to deepen public discourse on critical issues that impact all of us inside the psychedelic renaissance. If you love the conversations that you get to participate in and hear on Chakruna's community forums, I invite you to also check out our Religion and Psychedelics Forum taking place April 22nd to April 24th, 2022. This is our next big conference featuring two days of panels and discussion exploring the role of psychedelics in the history of religion as well as the role that religion plays in the modern psychedelic renaissance. As with all of our conferences, this will take a multidisciplinary and intercultural approach, examine 
these questions around mystical experience, indigenous spirituality, religious freedom and drug policy, and how psychedelics intersect with both Eastern and Western religious traditions. Early bird tickets are still available, and if you or someone you know is interested in speaking on a panel, you can fill out a form on our website to apply. We had several great articles published over the past week, including one called Addressing Abuse and Repair, an Open Letter to the Psychedelic Community. This is a community letter written by Diana Quinn, Rebecca Martinez, Dr. Pilar Hernandez-Wolf, and Claudia Cuentes, as well as Carolyn Fine. Published on October 15th, this is a response to recent allegations that have been made regarding abuse of power by therapists. In this letter, there's a discussion surrounding what abuses of power entail, the repercussions of these types of situations, and steps that can and must be taken to ensure an ethical future for psychedelic practice, as well as a resource in regards to these situations. This letter was signed by 215 important leaders in the field and is already creating a lot of discussions in the psychedelic community. I encourage you to read the article and if you feel called, lend your voice to the discussions around it and reflect on the issues that it brings up. We had a related article come out by Christopher Timmerman and David Dupuis called Navigating a Double-Edged Sword Toward Psychedelic Apprenticeship. This article explores the idea of the psychedelic experience as a double-edged sword in the way that although spiritual revelations and insights can aid in bettering mental health, these revelations and insights can also lead to further damaging the psychology of an individual. The authors explore potential causes and solutions to this dilemma. Christopher Timmerman, PhD, is a neuroscientist and psychologist, and David Dupuis, PhD, is a social anthropologist and a clinical psychologist. One excerpt from the article states that it appears that it is the same psychedelic phenomena that drives both desirable therapeutic outcomes and negative consequences in mental health. That is, the ability of these substances to induce experiences of insights and revelations. We also had an article in our series, Women in the History of Psychedelic Plant Medicines, called Stewarding Psychedelic and Ecological Biospheric Wisdom with Deborah Parrish Snyder. This was an interview by Jasmine Verdi with Deborah Snyder, co-owner and publisher of Synergetic Press, an independent publishing company that has been producing cutting-edge books in the fields of ecology, sustainability, psychedelics, consciousness, and cultural anthropology for over 35 years. In the interview, they discuss the history of Deborah's work with the Institute of Ecotechnics and her vision to create greater cohesion between the ecological and psychedelic spaces. We also have several great publications that just came out from Chacuna Latino America, our Spanish and Portuguese language resource. On Thursday, we had another Indigenous Reciprocity Thursdays publication. This publication featured the Federation of the Hunikui People of the State of Acre, FEPAC, the nonprofit upholding the collective rights of the Hunikui people and promoting self-determination, autonomy, and biocultural heritage. Acre's largest indigenous population, the Hunikui, are recognized as defenders of the integrity of Mother Earth guardians of biodiversity and traditional knowledge of sacred plant medicine. We recently shared FEPAC's president, Ninawa Hunikui, speaking to the current assault on indigenous rights by Bolsonaro's regime in a Chacuna Latino America event covering historic mobilizations by indigenous people in Brazil's capital. On September 7th to the 11th this year, a record-breaking number of indigenous women marched in Brasilia against the government's genocidal policies 
And when this extraordinary gathering experienced a shortage of resources, FAPAC was able to provide food, water, and transportation to support the protests. This highlights one of the main purposes of the Indigenous Reciprocity Initiative, which is to provide unconditional donations to these initiatives. This means donations with no strings attached. This allows Indigenous communities to use funds with total flexibility to meet their own self-determined priorities however they choose, from paying community members' salaries to buying fuel, obtaining medical care, purchasing plant nurseries, supplies, And this story from Brasilia is an example of the Indigenous Reciprocity Initiative's model in action, where FEPAC was able to immediately address an urgent crisis in their community. FEPAC promotes Hunikui sociocultural identity and fights for the effective fulfillment of rights and guarantees to the Hunikui and Native peoples in general. They are also still managing a relief drive to address the catastrophic loss of homes and livelihoods in the largest flood in Acre's history this past spring. You can find the link to that in our show notes, and you can stay tuned every Thursday for more updates from Indigenous organizations involved in our Indigenous Reciprocity Initiative program. On that note, I want to share a quote from an ethnography by Timothy Johns called The Origins of Human Diet and Medicine. This is about the domestication of the potato, which for me as an ethnobotany nerd is a very fascinating subject, but I think can appeal to anyone who's interested in understanding something that I focus on in a lot of my own work, which is the way that our own cultural conditioning influences our approach to the environment. So the supposedly secular and objective lens that many people claim to see through is really something influenced by a lot of hegemonic cultural perspectives, which are often unconscious or unrecognized and they give a certain bias against alternative ontologies or views of reality that might challenge some of the unconscious assumptions of that point of view. In the preface to the synthesis of ethnobotany and chemical ecology, Timothy Johns writes, Without recognition of the knowledge and accomplishments of humans in the past and in other cultures, Western scientific discovery is often only rediscovery. The loss of the empirical wisdom developed from human interactions with the environment over millennia is the loss of a fundamental part of our human heritage. Scientific inquiry is seemingly self-sufficient in its quest to understand the nature of the world, and modern technological accomplishments are often used to justify the efforts of science. Moreover, scientists are little concerned with the limitations of science or with its historical roots, let alone with ties to our cultural past. However, Science and the essentially materialistic version offered by technology offer little in themselves for the sustenance of a meaningful human existence. The accelerated rate of technological change in the modern world is rapidly eroding traditional methods of interaction with the environment, traditional lifestyles, and traditional cultural values. Our future is insecure if we do not recognize the social and intellectual limitations imposed by our biological origins. On the other hand, A meaningful human existence requires continuity with past cultural solutions to the questions of life. So I encourage you all to explore what that cultural conditioning looks like in our own perspectives and what you can learn from alternative ones. And I also appreciate all the support for the Indigenous Reciprocity Initiative so far, which you can find at chakruna-iri.org. 
I thank you all so much for joining me once again for Chakuna Dieta. My name is Joseph Mays, the program director for the Indigenous Reciprocity Initiative. And I hope that you all have a beautiful weekend and week ahead, and I'll see you next time.